<clears throat> Pardon me. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome to a edition, first ever podcast edition of Coffee with Christ. I'm Michael. I've got a cup. You got yours? Go get your cup. We'll talk about our Lord. Well, once again, our Lord has opened up a door of opportunity for us here to pray uh, to spread the good news, to speak the gospel, to speak about him in a relaxing atmosphere with a cup of coffee. And all along talking about our God. Now it's all about our Lord. It's about nothing else but our Lord. And again, my name is Michael, and this is Coffee with Christ. So let me ask you a question, and, and hopefully this reaches those that don't know the Lord yet, who are searching for something, that don't know what it is that they're searching for that are searching for a, a something to fill a hole in their lives. And they don't know what that hole is. They don't know what that emptiness is. And they haven't found complete joy yet. For instance, they search for a way to fill that void, fill that hole. Many search for it in pornography. Many search for it in sporting events, in music, in alcohol, in drugs, with other deities, false ones they are, but other deities, but all along, as they reach for that, and they grasp for that, that they still feel that emptiness, they still don't feel that joy, they still don't feel that satisfaction, so they got to do it again. And they take another stab at another stab at another pornography, another stab at another drug, or another hit of a drug, or another drink, or uh, after that other god, or hey, I need another sporting event, or anything that becomes their god. See, what becomes a god? A god is something that controls, let me put this the right way, the thing that you grasp for most the thing that you look more for in satisfaction for joy the thing that that you uh, uh, that you look for more to for satisfaction for joy in life and a thing it almost it almost overtakes your life where it becomes first and foremost and utmost in your life for instance that drug takes over your life. That pornography will take over your life. That sporting event becomes the most important thing in your life. Whatever it is, that drug, and that alcohol. And, and, and I'm not saying that the sport, and, and listen, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the sporting events and the, and, and, you know, having a drink once in a while is something that is, you know, to, 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 to be upset about and I'm not saying that in itself is the sin the sin of it is when it takes over when it takes over your life for instance I always use this this analogy in, in some of our videos if you watch our videos let's say supposing on a Sunday now this I'm going to refer to a few Christians supposing on uh, you get uh, tickets to a football game I'm going to use the Giants because I'm, I'm grew up a Giant fan and somebody hands you tickets and say, hey, you got tickets to a football game on Sunday. Now, as a Christian, 
I know that Sunday is the day of the Lord, is the Lord's day, and I know we go to church and we are to to never forsake the gathering of ourselves together. But somebody hands me these tickets, and man, they're on the fifty yard line at Giant Stadium, or now it's MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, and I'll never have this opportunity ever again. Oh, shoot, I'll just go and, you know, it'll be fine. So you go and you forget about church and you forsake church. Then the next week, uh, you know, I watched that, that, that you know, that game last week and they won and they're going to play this week now. Uh, they, they're playing the Cowboys this week and, and, you know, there is sporting, there's playoff implications on this and the, the game again is the very same time you're supposed to go to church. And then the next week, uh, you know, I only miss two weeks. It's okay. I pray every day, and God, God thinks, understands, and 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 so you miss again. And then, and then that sporting event then becomes your God because you're putting that before God. Well, some folks are using that because they're trying to fill that void. Folks that are not Christians are trying to fill that void. Folks that are Christians that do that should repent and come back to the Lord. <laughs> Just saying. But others are trying to fill a void, trying to fill a hole. That we, we as Christians, we say, hey, hey, that, you know, we feel this joy that is unsurpassable, this joy that ex that that exceeds or, or surpasses all understanding. We feel that joy once we accept Christ into our lives. But there are many that that don't, that have not accepted Christ into their lives, and don't feel that that uh, that that joy that we're talking about and, and that fills that hole but if, if you find yourself in that place i just want you that god knows you god knows who you are god has known you since the beginning of time god knew you before he formed you in the womb god knew you before the foundation of this earth how many years and thousands of years ago he knew you he created you. He knew you. He knew you so much that he actually wrote about you in scripture. And you say, oh, really? Did he really? Well, yeah. He wrote about you in scripture. He wrote about you. I have the scripture. We're going to go through that scripture real quick. He wrote about He knew who you were. But he still loves you enough to still reach out that hand to you and let you know that he loves you. See, listen. In Acts, the book of Acts, this is chapter 17. Okay? And I'm going to start here in verse number uh, 16. Okay? And we're going to read on. <clears throat> the book of God, or the, the book of Acts, the word of God says this, chapter 17, starting in verse 16. It says, now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the marketplace daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and a resurrection. And they took him and brought him uh, unto Arapogus, 
Areopagus, saying, may, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We know, we would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So here's Paul going to start talking to them. And what's he going to talk to them about? He's going to talk to them about what he sees in the Parthenon, in the, in the temple. And this is where I'm talking to those who are trying to fill that void and don't know what that void is, that are seeking something, something of a higher nature, seeking something to fill themselves with that joy and don't know yet what it is. Listen to this. This is verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the, Mar the midst of Mars, his hill, and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worshipped him, declare I unto you. See, he would walk in there and they would have statues and they would have altars to a whole bunch of gods. But one was not marked with a name. You know, remember Zeus and Athena and those gods. They had those gods. But one was left uninscribed. Or at least inscribed to the unknown god. The one that he didn't know. And he knew that they were searching for it. They knew that he was searching for someone. They knew that they were looking to fill that void in their hearts. And they just didn't know what it was. And these were some of the smartest people at the time. So listen, verse 24, God that made the world and all their things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they, meet, they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live, and move, and have our being, as a certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think, think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of the ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because... judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead some mocked and others said we will hear thee again of this matter so Paul departed from among them howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed among which was Dionysius 
an Arapagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So, here it is. You are the one God is talking to here. God is talking to you, obviously through the smart people of the time, the scholars of the time, the um, leaders of Athena or Athens or Greece. Some believed and some didn't. So what he was saying here is, just to boil it down, that God that you don't know, that thing that you're looking for to fill that void and fill that joy and put that joy into your heart is none other than the God of heaven. The God of Jacob and Isaac and 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 Moses and Abraham and Adam and Eve, that very same God is that God that he's talking about. That unknown God is our God. Some call Yahweh. Some call him, he calls himself, I am. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for that same God. And I believe in my heart of hearts, that's what you're looking for. I believe in my heart of hearts that you're looking to fill your that void with our God. The very same God that raised Lazarus from the dead. Oh, but you said God of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and Adam and Eve. Well, yeah. That same God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, whom they named Emmanuel, to which Emmanuel is translated as God among us. It's in Matthew chapter 1. God among us, Jesus Christ, was God. The Gospel of John in chapter 1 says, The Word was, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word is Jesus Christ. The Word of Jesus Christ is hope, love, joy that passes all understanding. He is our God. Our God that we are to worship. The one that wants to fill that void. The one that wants to be your God. The one that gave his life for you. He died on that cross for you. Even you, the one who doesn't know who he is, he died for you. The one that has no idea what to fill that void with is you. He died for you. He died for me. The only difference between you and I is that I've already accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I'll tell you what, I have felt joy in my heart ever since. I felt comfort. I felt love. And at times of trouble, I feel comfort that I know that everything is going to be okay because he is in charge. And I beg for you to do the same thing. Because brothers and sisters, if you don't, and it doesn't matter what your past was. It does not matter. You look at folks like King David with things that King David does or did. Go read the stories. It's in the book of Samuel. Samuel chapter 1, or or, or the first book of Samuel, second book of Samuel. Go check him out. David was a horrible person, but God still called him a man after his own heart. And so, that's who you're looking for. Those of you that can't find that hole, those of you that can't fill that hole, that's exactly who you're looking for, is Jesus Christ. He wants to fill that hole for you. He wants to be Lord of your life. Or else he wouldn't have died for you. He would have just let us go on and wallowing in our sin. And all of a sudden one day would have snapped his fingers and we would have been over with. And we would have all been in a place called hell because we disobeyed him. We disobeyed God from the start. But he didn't want that for us. He wanted us to be with him. So he made that way for us to be with him. And that way was in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ.
and he says to you and I, come to me. Jesus Christ says, I am the way. The way of what? The way to fill that void, that hole in your life to which you are searching with pornography, to which you are searching with drugs or alcohol or sports or movies or music or anything like that or witchcraft or sorcery of some type, whatever it is. Jesus says, don't fill yourself with that. Don't fill that void with those things. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father but through me. He will fill that void. He will be yours and he will indwell. You will hear him knock on the heart, on your heart. And when you open your heart and let him in, he will come in and he will sup with you. That's the way it works. Jesus Christ, he wants to be your Lord and Savior. Fill that void with him and it's simple to do. Just get on your hands and knees and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Enter my heart. Come into my life, Father. Fill my life with you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin to you. I repent to you. And I want you to be Lord of my life. And the Bible says in Romans that if you believe in your heart and proclaim with your mouth, you will be saved. Doesn't say you could be. Doesn't say you might be. Doesn't say you, yeah, we, we, I don't know, one way or the other. No, it says you will be saved. So do it now. And you'll see that your life will change dramatically, drastically, unbelievably. It is. Listen, it becomes the joy that surpasses all understanding. You won't understand. But you'll have it, and you'll know it's there. And you'll know that that joy is none other than Jesus Christ. Folks, I hope that you take this into heart, and I hope you take this seriously. I'm not here to joke. I'm not here to be a show or a showman. I'm here to bring you the Word of God and the Gospel and the good news. Take it to heart and accept Him into your life as Lord and Savior. Fill that void with that joy. Let's pray. Most kind, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for all that you do for us, Father. Thank you for the things that you do, and I want to thank you, Father, for allowing us this new opportunity, this new platform called, called, called a podcast for Coffee with Christ, for us to spread the gospel to you and for you, Father. Father, I pray that this word touches the hearts of those that need to hear it. And I pray, Father, that they accept you as Lord and Savior to fill that void in that hole so they don't search for you and for life and for love and understanding in something else that could be detrimental to them and their soul. Father, your word says not to worry about things that will harm the heart, but that which can harm the soul. And chasing after those things that can fill, to fill that void will harm the soul. And Father, we ask you that they search for it in you and nothing else. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, for watching our, or listening. You're not watching. For listening to our first ever Coffee with Christ podcast. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless America. And I will pray for you. I love you, folks. Have a great day.
Hey, good evening there, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Coffee with Christ. Um, Michael, right here I've got my cup. You got yours? Go get your cup. We'll talk about our Lord. We're out here this evening on November. A little chilly, a little windy, but relatively warm for this time of year. Hey, Bob, good to see you. Uh, so we're going to get into it just a minute here. I'm going to go and we're going to invite some folks on here. So give me just a second now. And if you're on here and if you can... I ask you to share this into any groups that you feel may need or may want to uh, hear this message. Uh, bear with me here while I get this going. Again, good to see you, Bob. I haven't seen you on here in a while. Um, This is going to cut me off in just a moment because they only allow you to invite so many on here. Just another second here. invite you again there Bob but you're already here so I have to invite you again all right well we'll let that go we'll let some other folks now listen if, if I didn't invite you it's not because I don't you know it, it has nothing to do personally um, so let's see here give me just another moment here was going to go share it to some groups but it's not going to allow me here tonight so i also want to let you know that we are live also i'm hoping on our second podcast of coffee with christ too you could check out our first one i did about two weeks ago uh it's um on spotify you can find that podcast on spotify hey good day mate there john and angie edelman good to see you good to see you too dad uh thanks for joining uh so in a moment um we're going to go to our father in prayer and now we're going to get to our topic, uh, pretty important uh, topic for this, uh, for around this time here. Uh, let's go to our Father, and then we'll get into our topic. Most kind, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time you allow us to come together here for this edition of Coffee with Christ. Uh, a time to come together to hear from your word and hear from you, Father. Glean the truths that you would have for us to hear, Father, and and just a little bit of fellowship around your word and some good old-fashioned Java. 
We thank you, Father, for all that you do for us, Father. We thank you this time of Thanksgiving. We thank you for this great nation that you let us live. We thank you for this beautiful earth for which you've given us to live and be stewards of, Father. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you, and we thank you for the ultimate gift that you gave us, the sacrifice of your Son, the sacrifice of yourself coming off your throne from glory, stepping out of glory to sacrifice yourself so that we can have eternity together. Thank you for that. Lord, they say in, they, Lord, you say in your word that no love hath great no no greater love than any man than to lay down his life for a friend, and you sure did. And we thank you again for that. Now, Father, I ask you to move me of all self, so the words coming from me are from you, Father, and from no other. And I pray also that this word, as your as your word says, this word returns not void. And I pray that it touches the the hearts and the minds and the ears of those that need to hear what needs to be said here today. And Father, we'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise for everything that you do and everything that is said here today. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Yeah, I know, Pop, it is dark. I only have this little outside light that I'm trying to work with here. Um, it's a little too loud in the house to do it in there, so we're going to make do with what we got here. Uh, but we'll just let the Lord lead us. We'll let the Holy Spirit lead this here. Now, You'd expect for somebody to come on the night before Thanksgiving and give a Thanksgiving sermon or a Thanksgiving service, uh, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that today because, as I've said in the past, that this Coffee with Christ ministry is going to got to be completely Holy Spirit led. It's got to be completely led by the Spirit and the fact that when the Spirit comes on or says come on, we come on, and when the Spirit says to us, "You talk about this," we talk about this. And tonight, the Holy Spirit has laid it on my heart. Not so much a Thanksgiving service, but yeah, in a way we can give thanks for it because it's going to be a warning. It's basically a warning for all of us. And and just listen tightly, listen closely, listen with an open heart and an open mind because it's quite important. Okay, There are things that are going on in this world right now that we really don't have any explanation for other than looking to Scripture. Science will tell you that it's oh scientific that it's global warming, uh, or they'll tell you that it's yeah it's just a disease it's a pandemic. Uh, they'll tell you those things, but I'm going to tell you something. What is going on right now is nothing less than biblical. Listen, God had got angry with the entire world once already, and let's read this here. Okay, we're going to start that here. We're going to start here. We're in the book of Genesis. And we're just going to go one verse here in the book of Genesis. Hey, Lisa, how are you? God bless you as well. Book of Genesis, chapter 6. I want to read this to you. Well, you know, we're going to go to chapter 6, verse 1, and we're going to read a couple. Here you go. The Spirit is changing our, our path here. Genesis, chapter 6, verse 1, starts with this. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his day shall be hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Now here, this is an important one here. 
And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creepy thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. And then we're going to save that verse number 8 for a little bit later. So we already know that God already created, already destroyed what he created once already. And he did so because he was angry, because there was nothing but evil going on in the world. These people, his people, were told to, to, to not, to, to, they were told to multiply, but they were told to multiply amongst themselves, right? Now people say, oh my God, that's incest. How are they doing it? There was only no, there was only Adam and his family on the earth. Listen, God told them to multiply at that point. So he made it a way that there would be no mutation in the genes of those that were quote-unquote brother, sister, cousins at that point, whatever they were, to multiply. He made that way. God can do that. We don't have that way to do that, but God can. So if anybody asks, well, they were all brothers and sisters and cousins and dad and uncles, what they do? God made it possible. He would not have told them to multiply if they couldn't do it. So they did. And it was only until sin became rampant that they started mutating. And the genes started mutating. And that's when, when the man and woman had to be from different families to come together and make another child. That's when that started. So anyway, so sin became rampant, became evil, became, I mean, it was just all over the place. You look around and there was nothing but evil. And the important part was that God looked and he said that man's heart only wants evil. They desire evil. In fact, the actual words are read it again, again in chapter 6, verse 5 of Genesis. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Man only thinks of evil, our flesh. And what do we mean? Okay, so you may not think about going out and murdering somebody. You may not actually think about going out and raping someone. You may not actually go out and think about stealing from someone. You might. You might do all those things. Many people do. Our world is evil. But, in fact, you have an ounce of pride. You have an ounce of selfishness. Pride is what got Satan in trouble, right? As humans, we have an ounce of pride. And we have sin. We're born into sin. Sin entered through Adam. And when it entered through Adam, it is passed down from generations. Genesis tells us this. And those of us, even those of us that are born again, those that are those of us that have given our lives to Christ, we're still human. And as Paul would say, he would say, you know, do I not sin? He says, dear God, I would hope not. God forbid. But we do. We still do it. We still have that pride because it's the, the flesh man of us that wants to sin, that wants that desire for sin. It's the flesh man. We have to worry about the spiritual man. We have to worry about things that are not carnal. Because our world, as Christians, our world is on a completely different plane, completely different realm. It's on the realm of spiritualness. That's why it says uh, in, in Ephesians that we, we wrestle with spirits and principalities, not of this world. 
That's why that's why that is said that way. We deal with spirit, not man. But our man and our spirit are in constant battle with each other. Because let's face it, listen, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes sin feels good. And I want it. That's what we say to ourselves. There are many people that will say, listen, who? Here's a hundred bucks on the ground over there, and I want it. It ain't yours, but I want it. I'm going to go get it. It'll make us feel good. Lying makes us temporarily feel good. Now, I'm not saying that it is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But time to time again, it does kind of make us feel good to lie. Because you know why? Our pride says, hey, you can get out of this situation. Just tell them a little white lie. It doesn't. That's our propensity. We have a propensity to sin. And sin is rampant at this point that we're talking about in Genesis. And God destroyed the earth. Utterly destroyed everything that crawls on the earth. You say, why? You say, what did the animals do? Why would God do that? Well, unfortunately, God made us, or fortunately, unfortunately as some are, but he did. God made us stewards of things on the earth. He made us the stewards of the animals. Listen, he gave us dominion over the animals, right? That means he gave us a kingship, a princeship, a leadership over the animals. But part of that kingship and leadership does come responsibility to take care of these animals. But unfortunately, when man sinned, and sin became so rampant that the animals ended up just being collateral damage. Although, do you remember when Noah built that ark, that God saved a remnant of each and every one of the animals? Male, female, of each and every one of them. But then he utterly destroyed the earth. Brothers and sisters, it was because of the nastiness of sin that the earth was destroyed. And God had saved a remnant. He saved the remnant of Noah. Noah and his family were saved. Noah and his family were spared the death that they deserved as much as we deserve it now. Every one of us deserve it now. There's not one of us that walk on this earth that do, does not deserve hell. There's a few of us that are given the chance out as a gift. But we don't deserve it. We don't deserve heaven. None of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve the righteousness and the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. None of us deserve that. But because of Christ, we are now entitled to it. You follow what I'm saying? Because of what Christ did, we now have inherited it. And are joint heirs with Christ of all things from heaven. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. You would think that the Israelites would have learned. As they grew, as they became the Israelites. Now, Noah to... Jacob is quite a few generations, right? We had to come out of the floods. We had to start replenishing. And God then gave his promise to Abraham, to Jacob, gave it to Abraham to become as vast as the stars in the sky and as sand on the shores, right? And then he passed that down to Isaac. Isaac passed that down to Jacob. Jacob became Israel. God changed his name to Israel, which is he who wrestles with God. That's what Israel means. He who wrestles with God. See, if you read the story, 
when when I, when when Jacob was coming home from getting his wife in the foreign land, Canaan, I believe it was, and he was on his way home, he wrestled with an angel. He wrestled with God, right? He was wrestled with God. And that's where he got his name Israel, he who wrestles with God. So the Israelites grew and became stronger as a mighty, they became a mighty army. But not before they were sent into slavery in Egypt, right? But you would have thought that these stories were passed from generation to generation to generation of what God did to the generations leading up, including the generation of Noah. I'm not saying Noah, don't get me wrong, but the generation of Noah was destroyed. You would have thought that would have been passed on and the Israelites would have learned, but they didn't. They didn't learn of the might of God when they were in Egypt in slavery for 400 years and God drew them out of Egypt. They didn't learn from that. They didn't learn the power and the might of God when they saw the Red Sea split and Moses led them through on dry land, led them through, and as soon as they got through and Pharaoh tried to enter, the waters came over and sunk and destroyed Egypt or the Pharaohs and his people. They didn't learn from the 10 plagues that led up to the exodus from Egypt. They didn't learn that. They didn't learn of the might of God as they walked through the desert. They didn't learn of the might of God as God led them in a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of smoke during the day. And as God swallowed up those that, 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 that worshipped the golden calf when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments. They didn't, they didn't learn from the might of God, or of the might of God from that. But it's been passed down generation to generation, generation, generation. But you know what? I don't want to pick on the Israelites. Just the Israelites. Yeah, they knew. They knew that it was passed on. They never learned. They didn't learn the might of God from the miracles that Jesus created, that Jesus performed when he was here on this earth and walking the earth for his 30 years of ministry. They didn't learn that from that. They didn't learn of God's might when they saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They didn't learn of Jesus' might or God's might when Jesus said, when Jesus said, right now, this very hour, your servant is healed. They didn't learn from that. They didn't learn of God's might. And they continued, sin continued. Sin continued. Even after Christ died on the cross for our sins, that whosoever shall believe will not perish, but have everlasting life. And people came to Christ in everlasting life, starting with the apostles, starting with disciples that were with him, and, and with, with the, the founders of our Christian religion, the Christian church that we read about through Acts. Still went rampant. Sin was still there. Sin will not go away until the end of this world. And it's nasty. Sin led Saul to chase after those who believed and followed the way. And chase after them to murder them. Listen, Saul, who we know later became Paul, who wrote many of the books in the, in the, in the New Testament... We know that Paul was present and was there. Number one, when Jesus hung on the cross. And we know that Paul was present, or Saul at the time, was present when they stoned Stephen. We know that. 
Paul repented. Paul Paul saw something amazingly awe-inspiring, terrible that caused him to repent. And thank God he did because many of our Christian teachings come from Paul. But still, sin went on. Sin went on and on and on through all of the Roman Empire. Sin went on all through Christian religion. Sin is now rampant and present now on this earth. I don't care if you follow religion of Catholicism, Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Jews, Muslims. I don't care what religion you follow. I don't care if you are a born-again Christian. Sin is still prevalent. And sin carries on in our nation right now. So you say, okay, so how does this all lead back to what's going on with the virus, with the elections, with everything else that we see going on in our world? Well, we're going to read something here, right? I'm going to read this in a minute. I'm going to put this close. As much as sin is in this world, brothers and sisters, look at what is going on in this country right now. In this country right now, we have protection for people to commit murder on children. Murder on children? You think that's something that is not murder? You think that is something that is not evil? That is a woman's right to choose? Okay, maybe you have that right to choose legally, but let me tell you something. You know who sacrificed their children? Moloch. The religion of Moloch slaughter children as a sacrifice to their God. Who is their God? It's the prince of this world. Who's the prince of this world? Satan. He's Listen, he's as present in this world as you and I are. If you look in the book of Job, in the book of Job, in the, in the, second, in the first or second chapter, it says that God met with the angels and Satan came one long and God said, where were you? And he said, I was wandering through the world to see whose soul I can devour. So he's here. He's on his way to hell for eternity. When we read in Revelation, we hear about the star that fell from heaven. That star that fell from heaven was Satan that came here, and he's on this earth. He's looking for every soul that he can steal and take with him to earth, to, to hell. So you have those that murder babies and the sacrifice of what? The sacrifice of sin. Why? Because for a momentary lapse of pridefulness, that sex would feel good to them outside of marriage when they're not ready to have a baby, that was sacrificing to Satan because they don't want to deal with the consequence. Then you say, what about those that are raped? Even yet, let me tell you something. There are many that were raped and God used those babies for good let me tell you something an abortion abortion survival baby and he said this many times so I don't think he'd mind me using this as, as an example Pastor Greg Locke is a surviving abortion baby God turned his mother away from the clinic thank God a woman here in our community Ms. Mona was a rape baby Thank God she was not aborted. 
You know how many children have turned their lives to Christ because of the seed that Miss Mona planted? How many people are turning their lives to Christ right now because of what Greg Locke is doing and his preaching the word and planting those seeds? Many of those people, abortion survival babies are planting the seed. Jason Lovins, a Christian singer, the same. Planting that seed for Christ. But those will go commit murder because of a one moment. I want to feel good. I have this pride. I'm going to have sex because it will feel good at that time. And they go and they sacrifice to Moloch, to Satan. What about those that forsake God for their God? Listen, there's only two ways to worship. You worship the God of Jacob, and he, Jacob, Isaac, and, and Israel, and the Father of Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ, who is God the Father, or Satan. That's the only two that you worship. God said to us, he said it in Deuteronomy and many other places, he said, I give you life, I give you death, you choose. Well, who is death? Death is Satan. Life is God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they worship Satan. They give up and pass on God to worship Satan. Listen, how many people worship money? Right? How many people worship money? God says, give to, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. What is God's is us, is our worship, is our love. For him. Give to Caesar. Listen, Caesar was the epitome of evil. He was evil on this earth. It was his decree that led to Christ being killed. So they worship Satan. Moloch. Evil in his world. Now listen, God gave us the United States, right? Why did the pilgrims come to the U.S., come to this land? They came to this land to escape religious persecution, right? That's what we learned. They were told how to worship. They were told to worship other gods. And they said, no, we are not going to do that. And what do you mean they worshiped other gods? Listen, when you were in a monarchy and you were a loyal subject, you were told to worship the king or the queen or the prince or the princess. You worship no one. God says, worship no one but me. So again, if you worship anything but God, you're worshiping the devil, Moloch. And that's what we do here in this earth. That's what we do here in America. Listen, sin is so rampant. Stealing, cheating. Look at these elections right now. Cheating going on. I'm not just saying these elections. Listen, I'm going to get political for a minute. It happened to Bernie Sanders. They cheated against him twice. They cheated in so many other local elections now. And I'm not just saying it because I support Donald Trump. It was cheating. No matter how you look at it, it's cheating. Child pornography. Child sex. Sex trafficking. Listen, anything that is sexual, that is not between a husband and wife, is an abomination to God. It's the truth. The God's honest truth. If it's not sex between a man and a woman who are married then it's an abomination. I don't care if it's sex between a man and a woman who are not married, who are just girlfriend and boyfriend, going out, having a good time, which could lead to abortion, which could lead to the murder of the child. 
But now they're having sex with children. In California, it's okay. Now, they passed a law that says it's okay to have sex with a minor. They say it's okay for a man my age to date and have sex with a 10-year-old, with a girl my daughter's age, or my son's age. It's okay. The law says it's okay. God says it's not. God says it's an abomination. It's no different than the things that were going on in the time just before God took the world out in Noah's time. It's going on now. But we believe that God gave us the United States the pilgrims to come over here. It was part of God's plan to bring them here, that we can bring Israel to a state that became its own state, that the Israels can return, that the Israelites can return to Israel just as it is prophesied. In Jeremiah and Isaiah and Revelation, it's prophesied in Ezekiel that God would bring them back. He would draw them from all corners of the world and bring them back to Israel. And guess what? In 1948, it happened. That part has already happened. You're right, John. It has become a form of birth control. And, and you're right. And listen, listen. But even birth control, John, in the eyes of God is sin. Remember, what did God give us the sex for? God gave us sex between a man and a woman that are my husband and wife to procreate, to populate the world, and as a gift between the husband and the wife. So if you are trying to commit birth, or trying to use birth control, you're going against God's will for this world to procreate. There is rampant sin. So when God brought us here, he gave us this great earth. This great earth, this great land. And then you say, well, yeah, we stole it from the Indians. We did not steal it from the Indians. It was part of God's plan. Look how many people Israel had to conquer to get into the promised land. The Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Hittites, whatever they are. All the ites. They were conquered. For Israelite to move in. For God's plan to be successful, we conquered this land to become the U.S. But us Christians, we loved and administered to the Indians. Don't let them tell you any different. What do you think we're celebrating tomorrow? You think they just sat around and said, yes, let's just have dinner. They shared and fellowship with those Indians to have the Thanksgiving meal that we have now and the celebration we have now to thank God for the harvest so those that tell you that the United States was not founded on Judeo-Christian principles it is malarkey malarkey in the fact that every time an explorer or settler came across the great pond they knelt down on this earth on this land and they kissed the land they thanked God for it John Smith, he was a preacher. When they came across and he got out in the Jamestown area, they had a church service and they had a worship service. So it is a Christian Judeo country, but we are extremely evil and extremely dirty, and we are an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. So you ask, why is all this evil going on? Well, because God has given us exactly what we asked for. God will give us the desires of our heart. And the majority of us, the desires of our heart is a propensity for evil, as we talked about. We are turning to the things of Satan, and God is going to allow us. Now, I'm going to read something here. I want you to hear this. This is really important. We're going back to Revelation. And you know we did that huge study on Revelation several, a while ago. Let me get here. It's going to take me a second to get this. So 
I'm dealing with one hand. Here we go. Let's try it this way. I'm going to Revelation. I want to read chapter 18. We're going to be starting in verse number 1. Now, I want you to know something. When I was studying this out, and I was reading this, I said, wow, this is America. And I listened to some other preachers and some other commentaries, and they said, and they, they believe that what God was talking about here was the Roman Empire. Which it could be. But always remember that Revelation is, is not only a historical account of things that have happened. Because it's already done. Christ said it is finished. But it's things that we are going to see. And it's also symbolism. Symbolism of things that we can see. Now listen. So I want you, wherever you think that this is the, the Empire of Babylon or the Roman Empire... I want you to put the American Empire in here, okay? In its place. Listen to this. Verse eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 1 says this, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And I cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Listen, this is, this is for us, okay? So let's go back for a second. I digress. Hey, bro, hey son. Those first three chapters describes the U.S. Listen, and he cried mighty with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great has fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That is the sin that is running through this world. That is why we are right now, we are seeing plagues. We are seeing tornadoes that are stronger than ever before. We are seeing hurricanes that are always getting stronger. Listen, the hurricanes we see now, when I was a kid, were category five hurricanes that they call now category one. They're getting worse and worse. Fires in the West. And listen, out in the West California where they had the massive fires this year, that was this year. That was right after they said it was okay for a grown adult to have sex with children. Okay? God is bringing, going to bring judgment on us. This is just the beginning. He's going to bring judgment on the United States because we have turned from him. We have turned from him and turned to the wicked ways that we see. We are as blatant with it as anybody can be. My God, it, it danced in front of us every day. Deuteronomy says it's an abomination for a man to lay with a man as he would with a woman. But it is paraded in front of us every day. It is celebrated. Oh, it's my choice. Yeah, it's your choice. God gave you that choice and you chose it. But listen, don't be surprised when God gave you that choice and you chose that evil way and you chose the world of Satan that you are going to spend time in hell. Don't be surprised. Now, I'm not calling anybody out. Word of God is going to call you out. Trust me on that one. But see, here, 
I like this because this ties into what we're reading in, Gen in Genesis 2 a little bit. God says in verse 4, and let's go back to verse 3 again. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Listen, how often do other countries, other nations, other other realms, kingdoms, enjoy the fruits of the U.S. The fruits of our entertainment, which is utterly evil. Utterly evil. Our entertainment world. They do everything they can to spit in the face of God. Other nations enjoy it. They enjoy they enjoy the movies we send. They enjoy the sick music that we send. They enjoy things that are of our nation. We have touched those other nations. And it says, And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. A lot of them have turned from God. Just like we are. That's what God is talking about, fornication. He's not talking about actual physical sexual fornication. The fornication that he's talking about is turning from him and worshiping other gods. The gods of pride, the gods of money, the gods of evil. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. How many other nations have we as the United States made rich? Sorry about that. But here's the next point. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye may not part be partakers of her sins, and that ye have that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquity. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much tormented, and sorrow gave her. For she hath in her heart, I sit a queen, and I am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. That is the pride and arrogance of our sinful nation. Therefore shall her plagues come, and one day, death and mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Look at what's going on now. Folks, right now, whether you like it or not, depending upon the outcome of these election investigations, we're on the brink of losing our, 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 our constitutional republic. That we love and we live in. We are on the verge of losing many of our rights that we hold true. Our God-given rights that we hold true and true to our hearts. But it has nothing to do with the Democrats. It has nothing to do with the Republicans. It has nothing to do with the Independents. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It has nothing to do with Mike Pence. Nothing to do with Kamala Harris. It has all to do with the sin that is in our hearts in this world. That's what it has to do with. That's what it has to do with. It has all to do with the evil. And God is going to take it from us. But notice how he calls us out. He says, those that are my people come out. 
Didn't he do the same for Noah? He gave Noah, he, he imputed righteousness on Noah because Noah obeyed him and his rules and his laws and God counted that as righteousness to Noah. And he saved Noah and his people. It says it at the end of chapter 6 in Genesis. He'll do the same to us. Listen, how many of us may have experienced fleshly the plague, the coronavirus? Now, fortunately, I have not. My family has not, fortunately. Neither has my extended family. We've come close. We've been in situations where we should have had it. But we were spared. God has spared us. God is sparing you. Listen, you haven't died from it. If you're watching this and you have COVID or had COVID, you haven't died from it. And if you're his child, that's why. The book of Psalms says, no plague shall come over us. It's no plague shall harm us in our households. That's God's word. Listen, 10 plagues went through Egypt. Not one touched his children. <clears throat> Even though his children turned on him time and time again. Not one of those 10 plagues harmed his children. Not this plague will not harm us physically. Now, some of us may die from this earth, but if you're a child of God, you're going to live on forever, regardless of what happens to this body. Worry not about what can harm the flesh, but what can harm the soul. So here's what we need to do. For my people, I'm going to just say this right out and we're going to end it right here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and pray. Then I will hear their prayers from heaven, and I will heal their land. We need to keep speaking out, speaking up, speaking boldly, as Greg Locke says. Keep praying from our knees. We need to fight this situation from our knees and continue to fight. Praying is how we do it. Teaching, teaching scripture, teaching those who don't know what's going on, what is going on in that realm of, of spiritualness, teaching them, loving them to Christ. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. He doesn't want that. You're just as bad as the rest if you do that. Love them to Christ. And you will see that there's no need to worry about what's going on in this world. It will not harm you. I promise you. God promises you. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Let's go to our Father. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for putting this out there. Thank you for the boldness that you've given me to speak this message. It's a message that needs to be heard, Father. Father, I love you, and I praise you, and I worship you. I pray this touches the hearts and the minds of those that need to hear it, Father. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, and amen, and amen. Hey, folks. Hey, John and Angie, thank you so much. Lisa, thank you for watching. Anthony, thank you for watching. Pop, thanks for watching. Everybody who's watched tonight and everybody who will be watching, thank you so much. Listen, for those of you who are tired, I'm going to get political for a minute. Those of you that are tired of the censorship on Facebook, I might get put in jail for this, but on Facebook and the censorship that comes on places like TikTok and Google and YouTube and Twitter, Come to the new app, Clapper. No censorship whatsoever. Sometimes that's not great. <laughs> Sometimes when there's no censorship or filters, it can get kind of raunchy. But 
if you don't like the censorship, check out Clapper. Go check it out. And also, um, well, we'll announce that the next time. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, go check them out. I love you guys. I will hopefully see you Sunday night. Uh, and look, listen, listen for this. Uh, if it had recorded, I don't know if it did. I'm not very good at this technological stuff. But if the podcast is recorded, go check it out on Spotify and some other of the uh, places where you can find your podcast. It's Coffee with Christ. I look for it. Uh, it's the one with the picture of the um, scriptures on it. Anyway, thank you, folks. I love you. Have a great night, great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much and save me a turkey leg. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.